Now, of course, this procedure on the tape recorder produces new words by altered juxtaposition, uh, just as new words are produced by cut-ups on paper. Well, we went on to exploit the potentials of the tape recorder, cut up, slow down, speed up, run backwards, inch the tape, that means uh, work it back and forth across the tape head, play several tracks at once, uh, cut back and forth between two recorders. Um, so cut-ups put you in touch with what you know and, and do not know that you know. Now, of course, this procedure on the tape recorder produces new words by altered juxtaposition. What I'm trying to do in these two lectures is to give you something you can use and apply, something you can do, experiments you can perform. And I'm indicating some areas of experimentation in the hope that some of you will carry these experiments further and come up with something new. In fact, uh, some of you may already have done so. And some books that may turn you on to something. Now, the first book uh, that I'm using is the handbook of... Now, can you all hear me? And this, uh, this is meaningful. Oh, I see. Yes. Now I understand. Now. I'll start over. What I'm trying to do in these two lectures is to give you something you can use and apply, something you can do, experiments you can perform. Uh, indicating areas of experimentation in the hope that some of you will carry these experiments further and come up with something new. Um, perhaps some of you already have. Uh, and uh, some books that may turn you on to something. Uh, the first book I'm going to use is the Handbook of Psychic Discoveries, which doesn't seem to be in stock in any of the bookstores. But it's on order and will be here, I think, in about ten days or two weeks. Uh, how many of you read the uh, first book, The Handbook of Psychic Discoveries, Behind the Iron Curtain? Yeah. Well, this is a sequel to it, which is a real how-to book, how to do Karelian photography or whatever, uh, with the equipment uh, necessary. And what I'm going to be discussing is um, tape recorder experiments, and this book gives a very clear, concise summary of the experiments with which, uh, which I will be discussing during these lectures. It's chapter 15, Your Tape Recorder, a Tracking Station for Paranormal Voices, question mark. It seems that recordings made with no apparent input have turned up unexplained voices on the tape. I'm quoting from the book of voice phenomena are done with a tape recorder and microphone set up in the usual way and using factory fresh tape. No sounds are heard or emitted during the recording, but on replay, faint voices of unknown origin appear to have been recorded. Uh, visible speech diagrams and voice prints have confirmed that these actually are recorded voices. And the most complete source book is a book called Breakthrough by Constantine Rowdy. That's actually pronounced Rowdy Vey. It's Latin. 
but I think I'll just stick with Rowdy or Rowdy for short. Uh, published in 1971 by the Taplinger Publishing Company in New York City. Well, uh, Rowdy was one of the pioneer researchers in this area, and he has recorded 100,000 phrases, uh, selections from which are transcribed in his book. And other investigators have obtained similar results, including Dr. Walter H. Uphoff, uh, who teaches uh, parapsychology at the University of Colorado here in Boulder. I've been trying to contact him, but haven't been able to reach him yet. And these voices do seem an appropriate uh, topic to take up at the Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics. <clears throat> Before discussing the experiments carried out by Rowdy, I will describe experiments performed with Brian Geisen and Ian Somerville uh, 12 years before Breakthrough was published and, in fact, before it was written. Now, these experiments started not on tape recorders but on paper. In 1959, Brian Geisen said that writing is 50 years behind painting and applied the montage technique to words on a page. And this technique had already been used in painting at that time for 50 years. It was, in fact, kind of old hat in painting. Uh, for a more detailed description of the method, uh, I can refer you to LOCA, where a lecture I gave last summer at Naropa has been transcribed. Uh, Brian copied out phrases from newspapers and magazines, then took a scissors and cut these selections into pieces and rearranged the fragments at random. And these cut-up experiments appeared in Minutes to Go in 1959. And I'll read you a few selections so you can get the idea of the style and what they sound like. Uh, September 1959, a collage from the Paris Herald Tribune, the London Observer, the London Daily Mail, Life Magazine advertisements. Now, this cut-up was made by Brian Geisen, and there's not a word of his own in it. It comes entirely from the source material. It is impossible to estimate the damage. Anything put out up to now is like pulling a figure out of the air. I'm going right back to the Sheraton Carton and call the Milwaukee Braves. <laughs> Miss Hannah Pugh, the slim lop, the slim model, drew from a piggy bank a talent which is the very quintessence of the British female sex. Ahead, 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 they chanted, in Uark, Honolulu, Aris, Ohm, Austin. Tobacco is our middle name. There seemed little doubt, however, that Mr. Eisenhower said... I weigh 56 pounds less than a man, flushed and nodded curtly. <laughs> Asked whether he had had a fair child, he looks inevitable and publishes, my sex was an advantage. He boasted of a long string of past crimes, highlighted by a total eclipse of whoever stood in his path when he redid her apartment. <laughs> Rich because beautiful bought brain, I said bravo. To think that a million men were fitted into long slots in an absurd position for the highest products of creation. Crowds stopped the traffic, and it took more than 30 police to disperse them. Captain Barron was arrested today in the murder at sea of Chicago. He is one of the great Americans to see people from the front and kept laughing during the dark. <laughs> he streaked across the sky like a comet and crashed. 
Witnesses from a distance observed a roaring blast and a brilliant flash as the operator was arrested. A petite, blue-eyed blonde streaked across the sky and clashed with Glasgow police. She had wielded the gavel with a walrus mustache and was thrown overboard. Her father, a well-known artist, until a bundle of his accented brushwork blew up in the sky, said, We can't do that yet. The reason I'm not buying a new couch is to save money. She should have known better. If I'd known you were coming, some looks are simply good right there. You hit her in the new revised edition of After the Great Awakening. The sure way is with arrangement and also military appeal. Deep-eyed features and the rapt faces of discursive charm come from the sheer shining color of police. I, Sequin, perfected this art along the Tang Dynasty. Might be just what I am look. Now, that was made by Brian, and here's one that I made. And you'll see that they have, although the same criteria applies, that there's no words of our own in either one of these, but the selection, the whole thing, will be different from one person to another. This is from San Diego up to Maine, and it's time a New York Herald Tribune uh, cut up of articles on juvenile delinquency. The solemn accountants are jumping ship, sir, all of them, sir, and the last skimpy surplus, sir. Room for one more outside, sir, they said and plunged seventh teenage future Molotov cocktails, last seen swimming desperately in sewage. Allies wait on knives, valiant crowns do a short 22 and heavy commitments. The Caribbean swells to a roar, a Negro snapped the advantages. Our show went on, we're proud of it. Who was rape and idleness? Anyone over homicide big enough to take punishment, Wisconsin? Milwaukee, convicted of later and lesser crimes, pudgy and not pretty. The words included assault, murder, stratosphere, and his feet devoid of reality. Will Hollywood never learn? Unimaginable disaster. Royal Knights, teenage, future time. And I'll read one more short selection here. This was also my uh, cut-up material. One ounce of the druggist of shit burned down the city. Savvy shit had a book he gave out. Ish Derby, they were drafted. Mark's fourth day. We just dropped in to see some friends, a population of patrols. Mr. Flynn's exposition in rig quiz show. Yeah, but why? Swedish, unwelcome visitor to the Warren. Talent was gone, the temple reeked of time, principal and agents in force. Bobo has attractions, more fun than a barrel of keys, he makes a pig of ice. Tomorrow is always white and blue. A fine, vigorous failure, all members are worst eccentric. A 16-year-old boy might burn in continuous operation. Everyone has left Paris, I dislike facts. Professor killed accident in U.S. Don't let me die this way. Uh, subsequently, we cut up the Bible, Shakespeare, Rambo, and our own writing and anything in sight. And we made literally thousands of cut-ups. Now, when you cut and rearrange words on a page, uh, new words emerge. For example, you have H.A. on one cut page, 
and you place this with another cut section and the line falls on T, cut from another uh, word, and you now have the word hat, which was not in the original text. A new word has been created by cutting the text, and words change meaning. For example, the word drafted is into the army, moved into a context of blueprints and contracts, gives an altered meaning. New words and altered meaning are, of course, implicit in the process of cutting up and could have been anticipated. Other results were not expected. Uh, when you experiment with cut-ups over a period of time, you find that some of the cut-ups and rearranged texts seem to refer to future events. I cut up an article on, uh, written by John Paul Getty and got it's a bad thing to sue your own father. This was a rearrangement and wasn't in the original text. And a year later, one of his sons did sue him. I mean, it's just purely extraneous information. It meant nothing to me. I had no, nothing to gain on either side. In 1964, I made a cut-up and got what seemed at the time a, a total, totally inexplicable phrase. And there is a horrid air conditioner. I didn't have an air conditioner at the time. In 1973, I had moved into a loft with a broken air conditioner, which was removed to put in a new unit, but we couldn't get anyone to take it away. And there is 300 pounds of broken air conditioner on the floor. A really horrid disposal problem. Uh, heavy and solid and emerging from a cut-up nine years ago. Uh, there are quite a few examples of this, and as I say, if you experiment, I think you'll turn some up sooner or later. Uh, we had no explanation for this at the time, and just uh, suggesting that perhaps when you cut into the present, the future leaks out. But we simply accepted it and continued the experiments. The next step was cut-ups on the tape recorder, and Brian was the first to take this obvious step. A step becomes obvious when somebody takes it. Like 500 years of cannonballs before someone got the idea of a cannonball that explodes on contact. And that happened in the American Civil War, towards the end of the American Civil War. Probably dismissed as impractical by the military. From that point, of course, a series of steps led to long-range artillery, artillery and intercontinental missiles. Now, why did it take so long for such obvious developments? Well, perhaps because the way is blocked by preconceptions. People just don't think of it. Now, the first tape recorder cut-ups were a simple extension of cut-ups on paper. Uh, you record, there are many ways of doing these, but here's one way. You record, say, ten minutes on the recorder. Then you spin the reel backwards or forwards, just like that, without recording. Stop at random and cut in a phrase. Now, of course, when you've cut in that phrase, you've wiped out what's ever there, and you have a new juxtaposition. Now, how random is random? We know so much that we don't consciously know that we know that perhaps the cut-in was not random. The operator, on some level, knew just where he was cutting in. 
as you know on some level exactly where you were and what you were doing 10 years ago at this particular time. But it, you couldn't, uh, most of you couldn't, there are a few freaks that can, uh, make that uh, knowledge consciously available. And the same way, while you're, you're doing the tape, on some level you, you know just exactly where your words are. So cut-ups put you in touch with what you know and, and do not know that you know. Now, of course, this procedure on the tape recorder produces new words by altered juxtaposition, uh, just as new words are produced by cut-ups on paper. Well, we went on to exploit the potentials of the tape recorder, cut up, slow down, speed up, run backwards, inch the tape, that means uh, work it back and forth across the tape head, play several tracks at once, uh, cut back and forth between two recorders. The point is that as soon as you start experiments with slowdowns, speed-ups, overlays, and so on, you'll get new words that were not on the original recordings. There are then many ways of producing words and voices on tape that did not get there by the usual recording procedure. Words and voices that are quite definitely and clearly recognizable by a consensus of listeners. And sometimes you can clearly recognize the voice of someone who was not present at the session. Now another procedure is to run um, recording a words through a yeah, run recordings or words through a speech scrambler. I'll quote here. In 1968, with the help of Ian Somerville and Anthony Balch, I took a short passage of my recorded voice and cut it into intervals of one twenty-fourth of a second on movie tape. Now, movie tape is larger and much easier to handle. Splicing um, ordinary tape is a really uh, laborious. Of course, you can make cut-ups that way, but it's, uh, it's an awful lot of work. And rearrange the order of the 20th... 24th of a second intervals of recorded speech. The original words were quite unintelligible, but new words emerge. The voice is still there, and you can immediately recognize the speaker. Also, the tone of the voice remains. If the tone is friendly, hostile, poetic, sarcastic, or whatever, this will be apparent in the altered sequence. I didn't realize at the time that I was using a technique that had been in existence since 1881. And I quote from an article in New Scientist, uh, June 4, 1970, by um, Richard French, entitled Electronic Arts of Non-Communication. Designs for speech scramblers go back to 1881, and the desire to make telephone and radio communications unintelligible to third parties has been with us ever since. The message is scrambled in transmission and then unscrambled at the other end. There are many of these speech scrambling devices that work on different principles. Another device, in another device, the signal is chopped up into elements um, a tenth or a hundredth of a centimeter, and these elements are taken in groups of frames and rearranged in a new sequence. So you just take your, your tape and cut it up into uh, very small pieces, and the pieces are rearranged into a new sequence, and this can actually be done and gives a good idea of what speech sounds like when scrambled in this way. Unfortunately, I don't have a tape of scrambled speech. 
And I've gotten words and voices from barking dogs. And no doubt you could do much better with dolphins. So if you just hear in English words from a dolphin, it doesn't mean that the dolphins have mastered the English language at all. It simply means that they've said something that sounds like English. Now, words will emerge, and also words will emerge from the recording of Jipping Fawcett. In fact, almost any sound that is not too uniform may produce words. You know the song, Every Little, Blee, Every Little Breeze Seemed to Whisper Louise. And the very trees, the very tree branches brushing against their windows seem to mutter, murder, murder, murder. Well, the branches may have muttered just that, and you could hear it back with a recorder. Everything you hear and see is there for you to hear and see it. If you didn't hear or see it on some level, it would have no meaning for you. Now, we are so accustomed to the erroneous either-or antithesis, objective or subjective. What I think and feel is one thing. What I hear and see in the street is purely random and therefore meaningless. That people may think they are losing their minds when they find that what they see and hear in the street has personal meaning for them. Some time ago, a young man came to me and said he was going mad because street signs, overheard conversations, and radio broadcasts seemed to refer to him in some way. I told him, of course they refer to you. You see and hear them. Now, you can scan words out of a foreign language of which, of which you don't know a word, and let me confess that I do not know a word of Arabic. Well, years ago, Ian Somerville, Stuart Gordon, and your reporter had turned into the Rue de Vigne, just off the Place de France in Tanger. Walking ahead of us was a middle-aged Arab couple, obviously poor people down from the mountains, and one turned to the other and said, What are you going to do? But we all heard it. Now, perhaps the Arab words just happened to sound like that. I've had an Arab speaking person, I could have checked that out. Or perhaps it was a case of consensual scanning. I had a friend who went, quote, mad in Tangier. Now, he was scanning out personal message in, messages in English from Arab broadcasts. Now, this is the more subjective phenomena of personal scanning patterns. I say more rather than pose the either are uh, subjective or objective alternative, since all phenomena are both subjective and objective. He was, after all, listening to radio broadcasts. Now to consider uh, Raudiv's experimental procedure. The experiments were carried out in a soundproof studio. A new blank tape was turned on and allowed to record. Then the tape was played back, and the experimenter, listening through headphones, detected quite recognizable voices and words that were found to be recorded on the tape. Let me say at once that I have not yet performed this experiment, though it is an obvious extension of the experiments I did perform. Well, why not? Well, it simply didn't occur to me. A step becomes obvious when someone takes it. Conversely, it did not occur to Rowdy to take his recorded words and voices. You could have used copy tape, of course. 
run them through echo chambers, overlay, inch, speed up, slow down, uh, scramble them, and whatnot. I now intend to perform Rowdy's experiments with a number of variations, and I hope that some of you will do the same. Now, Rowdy has recorded 100,000 phrases of these voices. The speech is almost double the usual speed, and the sound is pulsed in rhythms like poetry or chanting. These voices are in a number of accents and languages, often quite ungrammatical. Here's one. You, I, friends, where stay? Sounds like a Tangier hustler. Now, reading through the sample voices in Breakthrough, I was struck by many instances of a distinctive style, reminiscent of schizophrenic speech, certain dream utterances, some of the cut-ups and delirium voices like the last words of Dutch Schultz. Many of the voices allegedly come from the dead, as Hitler, Nietzsche, Goethe, Jesus Christ, anybody who is anybody is there. Uh, many of them having undergone a marked deterioration of their mental and artistic faculties. Uh, Goethe isn't what he used to be. And Hitler certainly had a bigger and better mouth when he was alive. On one level, the recorded voice procedure is a form of sophisticated electronic table tapping. And table tapping is one aspect of the cut-up cut experiments I have described. After all, what better way to contact someone than to cut and rearrange his actual words? Certainly an improvement on the usual scene where Shakespeare is announced to be followed by some excruciatingly bad poetry. Now, whether there is actual contact with the dead is an academic question, so long as there is no way to prove or disprove it. An element of precision could be introduced using voice prints, where recordings of someone's voice exist. I mean, if someone turns up on the tape and pretends to be Kerouac, you can check it against Kerouac's voice print. Now, voice prints are as individual as fingerprints, and they could be compared, of course, to the voices on tape. Of course, it is not impossible that a voice print could be precisely imitated. Messages from the dead or not, the voices frequently refer to the thoughts and preoccupations of those present at the session or to people connected with those present. Now, here is an example from the Handbook of Psychic Discoveries. New experiments began with a surprise. The German team lost their way. At the same time, one of the group was stricken with a very severe toothache. Meanwhile, Jurgensen decided to try a recording session on his own. Replaying the tape, he heard the German words, Sie kommen bald, Zahnarzt. Zahnarzt. They will arrive soon, dentist, dentist. Now, I pointed out a stylistic sim similarity between the re voices recorded by Routiv, a dream speech, a schizophrenic speech, words spoken in delirium, and cut-ups. And this does not apply to all the material in any of these categories, much of which may be quite banal and undistinguished. For example, a frequently recurring phrase in Rowdy's book is heat the bathroom, company is coming. 
Well, I thought this was some kind of an esoteric code, but it simply refers to a Latvian custom. When they're expecting guests, someone goes into the bathroom and lights the stove. So it's a question of selecting material which is stylistically interesting or which may contain references of personal or prophetic, in some cases, significance. I've already given some example of cut-ups, and here are some examples of dream speech. Uh, this first one is from one of my students at New York City College who encountered Hemingway in a dream and asked him how he could be there when he is dead. And Hemingway replied, We can come out when shadows cover the cracks. And these are from my, mostly from my own dreams. You need black money here. We still don't have the nouns. Do you like to get lost or patrol cars? The symbol of the skull and the symbol of soap turn on the same axis. Can't you keep any ice? The Inspectorate of Canada is banging on the door. I suppose you think Missouri is a lump. You have an Air Force appetite. The lair of the bear is in Chicago. The unconscious imitated by cheesecake. A tin of tomato soup in Arizona. Where naked troubadours shoot snotty baboons. Green is a man to fill as a boy. I can take the hut set anywhere. A book called Advanced Outrage. An astronaut named Platt, first American shot on Mars. <laughs> Life is a flickering shadow with violence before and after it. A good loser always gives up control for what the situation would be if control wasn't there to look around in it. That there wasn't any question of control. And here are two examples of dream slang. An ounce of heroin is a beach. You can lay around in it for a month. And a camel is a dream slang for fuck. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I do not have examples of schizophrenic speech, just a few from my memory. And collecting this material would be a very useful project. And I just have two here that I remember. Doctorhood is being made with me. It's stylistically similar to the Inspectorate of Canada. Radius, radius, it is enough. And here are a few quotes from the last words of Dutch Schultz. He was shot on, um, I believe, Thursday um, in 1935, and he died 24 hours later. And there was a police stenographer at his bedside the whole time. About 2,000 words, I'm just giving you a very few. And he had a temperature of 103, been shot through the liver. Uh, the glove will fit what I say. If we wanted to break the ring, I get a month. He was a cowboy in one of the seven days a week fight. In the olden days, they waited and they waited. Let me in the district. Please let me get in and eat. This is something that should not be spoken about. Be instrumental in letting us know. No, it is confused and it says no. A boy has never wept nor dashed a thousand kim. That's uh, supposed to be the most enigmatic line. I wonder what the police made of it. <clears throat> Please crack down on the Chinaman's friends and Hitler's commander. Mother is the best bet and don't let Satan draw you too fast. They are French people. 
It was desperate, I am wobbly. I don't want harmony, I want harmony. Open this up and break it so I can touch you. The Baron says these things. Come on, open the soap ducats. The chimney sweeps take to the sword. French Canadian bean soup. I want to pay, let them leave me alone. Now here are some of the phrases from uh, Rowdy's book. And I have taken these phrases out of what might be called a minimal context, because they weren't really very much in context anyway for illustrative considerations. Cheers, here are the non-dead. Here are the cunning ones. We are here because of you. We are all longing to go home. Politics, here is death. Take the grave with you. It snows horribly. We see Tibet with the binoculars of the people. Give reinforcement. Diminish the stopper. Sometimes only the native country loves. I am expensive. We are coordinated. The guard is manifold. You belong probably to the cucumbers. Telephone with restraint, comrade. It is difficult in train A. Covering fire. Send orders. Are you without jewelry? A lecture is taking place here. We have become accustomed to our sick ones. Get out of the defensive position. Speed is required. Leave it in full gear. Have done with the seemingly apparent. Pleased to use studio postulated to you. Faustus, good morning. I demand our authorities. This is the ant's language. Identity card, passport, bind death, the bay death, bring a halibut. You can refuse. It is permitted. A pistol is our man. This is operational. Even the wolves do not stay here. Into battle, the long life flees. We ignite. It is bad here. Here the birds burn. Are you without jewelry? It smells of the operational death. Knowledgeable goth, the deed of the future. Believe, separated, here is eternity. The far away exists. You are the contract. Are you in salt? We have been looking all over the place for human beings. Oh, good to see. Professor of non-existence, the body is evidence of the spirit. The natural key. We are the language here. The doctor is on the market. Good evening, our chap. Are you making mummies to standard? It is enough. Reason submitted, called at a bad time. This is operational even in the middle. With binoculars at the border, you have nevertheless to fetch our clothes. Prepare trousers in the bathroom. Why are you a German? Clean out the earth, the new Germany. Hitler is a good animal-infesting louse. Have you stolen horses with him? Yo siento man pricks buena cosa, ma'am. Draw the spirit to the plata. Hurry to make the flutes. Facts see us. I am practically here. A good crossing. The earth disintegrated. It uh, sounds very much like some kind of a code, and I try to interpret some of it. Now, uh, we see Tibet with the binoculars of the people. Now, this means something to me because in 1970... About the time that these recordings were made, I wrote a story about a Chinese patrol 
who fired a Tibetan monastery taken over by the CIA to test the right radioactive virus. I'll just read a paragraph from that. The scouting party stopped a few hundred yards from the village on the bank of a stream. Yen Li studied the village through his field glasses, through the binoculars of the people, while his men sat down and lit cigarettes. The village was built into the side of a mountain. The stream ran through the town, and water had been diverted into pools on a series of cultivated terraces that led up to the monastery. There was no sign of life in the steep winding street or by the pools. He lowered his glasses, signaling for the men to follow. The men crossed a stone bridge two at a time, covered by the men behind them. If any defenders were going to open fire, now would be the time and place to do it. Beyond the bridge, a street, a street twisted up the mountainside. On both sides, there were stone huts, many of them fallen into ruins. Keeping to the sides and taking cover behind the ruined huts, Yen Li became increasingly aware of a hideous unknown odor. He motioned the patrol to halt and stood there sniffing. I think he was smelling the pickle factory. You belong probably to the cucumbers. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the term used to designate the CIA. It was the pickle factory. He works for the pickle factory. Means uh, he works for the. He's a CIA man. I think this designation was mentioned in Time or Newsweek, and I'd already heard it from some acquaintances in the CIA. Well, what would be the derivation of the term to be in a pickle is to be in a quandary or in a bad spot, and what are what is the CIA manufacturing but bad spots and quandaries? So I think it's. Um, Quite possible that that is the reference. Yes. You ready? Okay. Telephone with restraint, comrade. Watch what you say over the phone. The cucumbers are listening in. Are you without jewelry? Well, this may refer to laces. The first laces were actually made with uh, rubies, I believe, or whatever the ingredients necessary. Bind death to bay death. Compared to Dutch Schultz's last words, I don't want harmony. I want harmony. Are you in salt? We have been looking all over the place for human beings. Now, salt could refer to any basic commodity. In this case, since the voices are discarnate, the reference is probably to human bodies. Your blood, as you know, has the saline content of seawater. No good, the sea. Now to say you are in blood would sort of blow your vampiric cover. That'd be a little crude. Have you stolen horses with him? Is a German proverb meaning can you trust him? Draw the spirit to the plata. Now Rodiv considers this utterance inexplicable. Apparently he did not know that plata is a general Sp Spanish slang term for money. A good crossing, the earth disintegrated. Some years ago, a scientist drew up a plan for a spaceship to be propelled by an atomic blast, and that would be a motive for blowing up the Earth's propulsion to healthier areas. The publication of Breakthrough in England caused quite a stir, and Peter Randolph wrote a book, Voices on the Tape, describing the circumstances uh, surrounding the publication. 
There were articles in the press, radio and television programs, and much discussion pro and con. Some people protested that these voices come from the dead. They seem to be living not in celestial realms, but in a cosmic hell. In consequence, the voices may be misleading, interested, even downright ill-intentioned. Well, what did they expect? A chorus of angels with tips on the stock market? Others protested that contact with these voices is dangerous, citing the use of black magic and invocation of lower astral entities by Nazi leaders. An article written by a psychic researcher, Gordon Turner, typifies the dangerous for the uninitiated line. Turner's article was written in answer to an article by someone named Cass, in which he, uh, Cass says, if a door has been opened between this world and the next, then the masses, armed with their cheap transistor sets and five-pound Hong Kong recorders, will participate despite Gordon Turner, the Pope, and the government. And here is Turner. I believe Breakthrough should not have been published. Does he, cast think it is safe for anyone and everyone to open themselves to this kind of influence? Has he the slightest conception of how dangerous this might be? Dangerous to who exactly? When people start talking about the danger posed by making psychic knowledge available to the masses, they're generally trying to monopolize this knowledge for themselves. In my opinion, the best safeguard against the abuse of such knowledge is wide dissemination. The more people that know about it, the better. A large number of independent researchers is the best insurance against monopoly and misuse by power-oriented groups or individuals. The time has come to dump all these secrets on the table. Secret weapons, secret doctrines, the lot. They are less dangerous in the hands of the general public than, the, than in the hands of intelligence agencies and the military. And I feel that knowledge belongs to anyone who can use it. I'd like to stop here for some questions and discussions since we really covered an awful lot of ground in this.